2: It's time to get happy. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. A fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness because happiness is a choice. And happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show, Harvesting Happiness. Lisa's going to shine a light on the well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. And as a filmmaker, psychologist, author, professor, and motivational speaker specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cypress-Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. In the show, she'll also focus on military families, service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and civilian life reintegration issues. So let's get to it. Harvesting happiness on TuggyNet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. I'm here today to talk with you, as I am every Wednesday, about happiness, well-being, and human flourishing. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. The achievement of a happy life is not only good for us, but for those around us. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, But also contributes to the collective flourishing of humanity on a global level. In short, happiness matters. It comes from the heart, and this show is all about the heart. Before we bring on today's guest, Sandra Beck... I want to open up the phone lines for Collins at 877-864-4869. Again, 877-864-4869. We had a guest schedule today, Evelyn Gray, who is a specialist with ADD, an organization, and we may have some technical difficulties. So the important thing I want to reach out to everybody to think about today is the importance of resiliency, the importance of rolling with life as life happens and unfolds because we don't always have control in fact most of the time we don't have control of what goes on in the world we only have control of our reactions to what really happens. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on another toginet sister host, and that's how I love to refer to these amazing women that join me on the show from time to time, and that is Sandra Beck. Sandra Beck has Military Mom Talk Radio, and as many of you know, I also have a military-friendly show here at Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, as well as a pending 501c3 nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, which brings my positive psychology coaching tools to the military community, specifically returning service personnel who are being challenged with combat stress, and other post-deployment reintegration issues. And Sandra Beck um, has had a very long history with the military community in her service work, in her radio work, and within her companies. She actually does a lot of of work with the military. I'm going to bring Sandra on. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for
0: having me here today.
1: Oh, thank you for being my angel and blessing this afternoon or this morning.
0: <laughs> it happens to the best of us. It does. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: you know, this is a first. So I guess in almost a year to have this uh, happen, is, it's a good thing. It's a test. I'm glad it didn't happen the first week.
0: Well, it's a change on how we bounce. I mean, and you bounced well. You know, you, you've done what you needed to do. And that's so much about responding to change because you had an unexpected change when your guest wasn't coming on today
1: it's true it's true and let's talk a little bit about you military mom talk radio motherhood incorporated and all of the companies that you run and how you reach out to the military community
0: um, well, I've served the military community in a support capacity for almost 20 years, uh, volunteering and, and working with different organizations. I've done leadership training with the military. I've also, uh, my company has a, quite a few military contracts that it oversees, and I hire military moms to work for me, and I hire some uh, Soldiers that are not on deployment, to, you know, to pick up extra money, they moonlight with my company. So, I spend a lot of time with military people, <laughs> and ser- I'm on the radio show Military Mom Talk Radio, so I get to meet even more people. Then,
1: you certainly do. And um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Motherhood Incorporated, um, and just describe what your company does, because this is a, a, a tremendous resource for many of
0: us, myself included. <laughs> Well, we do the best we can with um, working from home as a group of mothers in the tech field, and we offer everything from website design to uh, book production to uh, creating databases and newsletters and mailings and blogs. I mean, pretty much anything under the sun that can be done on the web that's not sales, re- direct sales related, that's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, pretty much we'll do it. <laughs>
1: That's very funny, Um, and many of us at TogiNet use um, the services of Motherhood Incorporated, myself included there, and I want to get on speedily to the topic of post-traumatic stress disorder and women specifically in the military. I'm creating a workshop um, for the first part of 2012. that's specifically geared toward the women who have returned and who are experiencing combat stress. And I know that you uh, on the show regularly talk to women who are in the support position of working through combat stress with their, with their uh, partner or husband that's come back with this issue. But there are things that are particular uh, and different for women.
0: Well, they're, they're different um, for us because we relate to uh, PTSD in a very different manner. Um, for us, it's something that is Uh, something we want to soothe, we want to comfort, we want to and then there's a part of us too that when we don't understand, many of us shy away from it and we, in the support position, what I see is women falling into two categories. They fall into the category of, I recognize what's going on with my partner, I'm going to be there for him. I'm going to learn as much about PTSD uh, as I can and then there's another segment that either doesn't know what's going on or doesn't want to know what's going on and hoping that if they stick their head in the sand with time, it'll get better.
1: Mm, Indeed. And because women are in the role in general of being the nurturers, the keepers of the family, to be in a position where we are not feeling or operating optimally, it brings on another set, another layer of anxiety and stresses on top of the PTSD symptoms.
0: Well, because it affects every family differently and it and it kind of punches into that family dynamic you know and there's a an adjustment that happens when a service member comes home you know you've got the home front family you're doing their thing we're arranged carpools, everything's all set you know everything's you know logistically taken care of for the needs of the children and the family to go forward. you know when the service member goes out, the family adjusts well when the service member comes back, all of a sudden now you have another Member in the mix, and as wonderful it is to have him or her home, the whole family needs to adjust again. You know this re you know the the post deployment adjustment, and when you throw PTSD in there, it's really hard sometimes to know what part of a, a normal adjustment, what's part of PTSD, and then since every deployment is different, and if you think about it, you know, if you go on one deployment when your kids are three and five and you're, you know, two or three years later you go on another deployment, well now they're seven, eight, the family has a different dynamic. You're older, you've had more experience, your wife or partner has had different experiences and each deployment is different so you have all these different variables in there and somehow you're supposed to figure out what is normal what is part of our family dynamic what is part of you know deployment reentry and then what is PTSD
1: exactly it's a lot. It's a lot, and let's talk a little bit about some of the symptoms, because many people don't often put a label to what they're experiencing, either because they don't have the knowledge or awareness, or perhaps there's a bit of avoidance going on. But I'm going to just cite a few examples that some of us can relate to, and they include depression and anxiety, nervousness and irritability, um, acne or thinning of the skin, Uh, loss of periods and infertility, heart palpitations, fatigue, insomnia, memory lapses, flashbacks, weight gain, weight loss, loss of libido, a decrease in concentration, which I, I find uh, that when I'm most stressed, that is one of the symptoms that, that rears its ugly head. And I and I am not in a combat or post-combat situation. So I can only imagine that a woman who is, has been deployed and comes home is experiencing some of these symptoms. It, it, it may be quite a, a challenge. And this is just a, a partial listing of, of some of the uh, symptoms of this extreme stress that goes on after being witnessed to or uh, having had a traumatic, event happen, especially in a combat situation or near a combat zone.
0: Well, and, you know, Lisa, you bring up such a good point about that coming home as a female soldier or a female uh, Marine, it's, it's different when women come home than when men come home. Because, As a culture, we're we're culturally set to accept that a hero is a man, that a warrior is a man, that a fighting person is a man. When it's a woman that comes home and when it's a mother, and I hear this a lot, there's like a double-edged sword, if you will, Yes, we're happy you supported our, com- our country and you, you fought for our country. Yeah, we're proud of you. But then there's that flip side of a lot of people that are like, oh, I could never leave my family to do what you do. And, oh, you know, you must care more about your work and your fighting than you do about your family. And it's brutal.
1: Indeed. And so there's an element of judgment that's thrown into the mix, too, which which adds insult to injury. We're going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, I actually happen to have a bunch of statistics and research in my hands because I was preparing this paper, although I wasn't really prepared to talk on it today. It's something that I'm actively working on, and I would love to share some of the research because it is astounding that women soldiers may be at greater risk. For combat stress than their male counterparts, and this is this is brand new research within the last year that's that's come out and is being um, disseminated, you know, throughout the world. And I would like to share some of this information because it may be vital in, if nothing else, uh, making people aware so you can bring help to the person that may not be willing to seek it out themselves. And this is also a very very uh, common. Um, symptom is the avoidance of thinking that one can woman up, if you will, and take care of the problem on our own because we're used to handling so many responsibilities and handling our families and our children's and ourselves. We'll be right back. Here come the tunes.
2: know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa ciphers Gaiman on TokiNet.com.
3: Are you someone who leaps out of bed to greet the morning, amazed at your good fortune every hour of the day? Or are you someone like me who needs regular infusions of inspiration? I'm Meg Pierre, a photographer, travel writer, and creator of the website www.kw.com viewfromthepier.com, which focuses on the human quest to connect with self, others, and a sense of wonder. Every day, the site features a new, beautiful image from my travels around the world, captioned by an uplifting quotation. This daily dose of inspiration is available free. viewfromthepier.com also presents monthly interviews with fascinating people I have met in my travels, who offer their personal stories and wisdom along with in-depth destination stories about cultural traditions from around the world. If your day could benefit from a quick change of scenery or attitude adjustment, I invite you to visit www.viewfromthepier.com.
2: Fertility is an extremely personal subject. Tune in Monday nights at 9, 8 central for the Fertility Forum with infertility psychotherapist and expert Phyllis Martin on Toginet.com. This is the show about infertility, gaining support, and information. Phyllis will assist you in navigating the disappointments and decisions that often accompany the difficult journey from diagnosis to conception, pregnancy to parenthood. She is passionate about her work and is an expert in the donor egg field, bringing both her personal and professional experience to all she does. Ms. Martin has extensive experience in helping patients cope with infertility, pregnancy loss, adoption, surrogacy, miscarriage, pregnancy termination, and creative family building. She knows what you're going through, and she's here to help. It's the Fertility Forum with your host, Phyllis Martin. Monday nights at 9, 8 Central, on toginet.com. No no Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Togenet the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Tuginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Sandra Beck, my fellow Toginet sister host, who has military mom talk radio. And we are talking about women and combat stress. Women who have been deployed, return home to their civilian lives and are having a very difficult time readjusting through stress disorder and a host of other symptoms. Welcome back, Sandra. Thanks for being here with me today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I love coming on your show. It's so much fun. Oh, I love having
1: you and I love being on your show. So we're going to have a big toginet group hug here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on Getting back to a serious note, um, there is significant research that is coming out uh, that is being published about women in the military and how they have a greater risk for combat stress than their male counterparts. And I want to chat a little bit about these differences. Um, firstly, uh, There were investigations that were done found that men felt much more prepared for combat than the women. And that is an interesting factor because typically we don't perceive women as uh, being in theater, you know, uh, shooting guns and doing what the men do. And that is a little bit of a misnomer because while women aren't necessarily put on the front line um, to battle, they are on the front lines in many other capacities.
0: Well, absolutely, Lisa. They're driving service trucks. You know, when you look at the deaths that have occurred, you know, in our current war over in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, a lot of them are, you know, IED explosions. You know, where they're in a caravan and you know something blows up and you know they hit something and you know there's a whole group of people there that are affected by this one explosion, or they're they're bringing in supplies, or you know there's a couple pilots that have gone down, you know, lady pilots that have gone down, you know. These These are very, um, in the support position, yes, it's not that big, you know, combat, woo-woo, look at me. These support positions are very dangerous, and they are dying, and women are getting hurt and injured, but there's that kind of, you know, perception that just because they're not on the front lines, hand-to-hand combat, that they're not serving and they're not being affected by the same things that our hand-to-hand guys are hitting.
1: Indeed, and our GI Janes, if you will, or our GI Jones, they are are out there, they are in the trenches and in in a different capacity. And and what they're witnessing is uh, very frightening. And I wanna give you a a few more statistics here that are just astounding. There are 210,000 women on active US military duty. Um, There are almost 60,000 female troops that have been deployed overseas to the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. One in seven U.S. military personnel in Iraq is female. So there are a lot of women. And because the women have a higher risk for combat stress to begin with, we're talking about the numbers as they return as being significantly larger proportionately than their male counterparts. And the other issue um, that we're overlooking and I think we really need to get into is sexual assault within the military. And this is sort of the, uh, the, the, the dead zone, the cone of silence that no one really wants to address, but it is, it's going on. And these women are coming home not only with um, combat stress issues, but the sexual assault issues.
0: Well, And from our own troops. You know, everybody thinks that, you know, we're going over to the Middle East. Women have no rights there. You know, these are happening, you know, these things are happening from our, you know, enemies, and they're in our own ranks. And what I've heard anecdotally, Lisa, you know, and I don't have anything to support this, just 20 years of talking to women and hearing what I've been hearing in both wars, because I have friends that have have suffered this in the first Gulf War. um, One guy will affect you know, 15, 20 women until it gets shut down. So it's, it's you know, it's something that, that people don't want to get involved in. The girls don't want to speak up, you know, for fear that they're going to get ridiculed, that it's going to get worse. You know, a lot of them, my one friend just said, well, I just put up and shut up while well, it happened to me because that's what you do and you know going over there, they don't want you there. Um, you know, there's some, you know, that's, that's a lot for anyone to take.
1: Indeed it is. And uh, our, our guest that had a difficult time joining us this morning has come into the house. And um, Evelyn Gray, which we, we will speak with her shortly, but she has offered up a very interesting statistic that I want to share. And that is that 2,100 female soldiers attempted suicide in 2007. So the suicide rate for women soldiers triples when they go to war. So we're talking about a population that has grown exponentially in terms of a combat situation from 2007, let's say, to 2010. We're going to see greater repercussions from these deployments as they come home.
0: You know, Lisa, that's just stunning. I mean, it's, it's, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised, I'm speechless, but it's, it's something that, that we need to address. And especially because we don 't look like we 're showing any signs of slowing down you know what 's going on and it 's going to continue and a, a little fact that I like to put out here you know because I am military mom talk radio is that the kids that are were born when the war started are now approaching eight and nine years old
1: mm. wow now you've, now you 've given me the pregnant pause with that statistic because it it is. It is shocking, and uh, it means that those of us that reach out to serve the military communities with emotional support need to get really busy in working with the women, working with the children these these children of of combat situations to help them with their coping mechanisms with their resiliency skills to give them tools to go out in the world and operate optimally to have joy to thrive to flourish because there there are uh, some issues that really have a domino effect to the family unit and that is what is so interesting about about women and combat stress you know being the nurturers being the ones that hold the family together being a mother and all that entails and going out and serving our country it, it, it creates a very unique dynamic one that has is it, it seems to me based on the research that I'm doing that is just now coming out into the light because typically uh, in the past it was it was a male dominated issue you know the men came home they would they would drink they would do drugs they would become yeah. rageful they'd beat their wives. Do what they do, and it was a sort of a a man's disease or a man's diagnosis. And the reality of it is, is, it permeates everyone and everything.
0: Well, and if you think about the dynamic, Lisa, we have that new dynamic. Whereas, you know, when mom goes off to war, a lot of times grandma and grandpa or aunts and uncles or, you know, other family members step in in mom's stead while she's overseas. And when they come back, they go back into that anchor of the family, and when you talk about the man going off to war and coming home, or the husband or the father. The mom's there still to keep everything stable. Well, now we've got a new dimension. When this mom comes home, well, she's supposed to be the stable one, and now she's got some instability issues from what happened to her. You know, dad's off to work, or dad might be deployed too, and we've got, we've got some serious issues in a family dynamic that have never been faced in our country and in our culture.
1: Indeed, and I want to mention that the men and women go through the same training. They, they go through a gender-based basic training. They, they prepare together, but even if they get this exact same training, the individual perception, the, different, the gender differences in how we perceive and learn and retain could be very different. So while we need to train everybody similarly, so everybody gets the same basic skills, we also need to train our women To deal with some of these issues because our minds just work differently. We process differently, we're hormonally different, we react differently. And I think this is what the military needs to begin to look at because this is the future of our world. I mean, there'll be more and more women joining the military, not just because of their belief in serving the country, but because of the benefits the military offers in terms of education and uh, support and career.
0: Right. It's an economic decision for many of them.
1: Yes. Yes. And in fact, most women that I have spoken to that are in the military joined for economic reasons. They didn't join. um, Their number one purpose was not serving the country and it was not to get out of trouble. You know, they weren't a troubled kid, as oftentimes you hear the men describe, you know, that they went to the military to get some discipline.
0: Right, or they they were given the choice to join yeah. the military as opposed to um, other disciplinary uh, procedures.
1: Yes, to be to be guests of their of their state, you know, for a yeah. long duration that they would not be happy with. So this is this is a very very uh, real and um, shocking angle that I'm beginning to get into, and I thank you for joining me to jumping in really uh, uh, blind and into the cold water with me on this. It's uh, it's been wonderful. Our segment is believe it or not coming to an end. We've got two minutes before break, and I want to um, allow our listeners to reach you. And if you could give your websites and how they can connect with you and Military Mom Talk Radio, Motherhood Incorporated, and the services that you offer to not just service personnel, but anyone that's in need of virtual assistance.
0: Well, it's real simple. My name is Sandra Beck, so you can go to SandraBeck.com to learn more about me. The company's name is Motherhood Incorporated, Uh, all spelled out, one word. You can go there directly, and if you want to listen to our show, you can go to TogiNet, which is the host station you're listening to now, or you can go to the website by its name, MilitaryMomTalkRadioAll.com.
1: That's a mouthful. Sandra is a very busy lady. She is busy serving many people in many ways, and I'm grateful to you, Sandra, for coming on today, for sharing the first half of the show, and um, being being there, being there, and doing what you do every day to serve the military community, to serve people like myself that rely on your company to help make me shine, to help make me be professional and the best that I can be. So thank you, thank you, thank you, from the fullness of my heart. And uh, Sandra, in fact, is the woman who introduced me to toginet. So she is the reason that I am uh, one of the toginet sisterhood.
0: (laughs) Well done, Lisa. Well done. I'm proud of you.
1: Oh, thank you. And I'm proud of you, Sandra, as I see you growing uh, by leaps and bounds every every month. You know, there are changes and, and going back in full circle to how we began the show is the concept of resiliency and how do we roll when life just does its thing. Our time is up. Here comes the tunes. When we come back, we're going to have Evelyn Gray is going to come and speak with us about organization and ADD.
2: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers-Kamen on TokiNet.com. Hey, moms, get ready for Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central on Togenet.com. Living the Dream Mom is about the true realities of motherhood, the beauty and the rewards of watching your children grow.
1: All these moms have something in common. They put their kids first. It's not about the kids all the time and the diapers and the bottles and the breastfeeding. It's about showcasing the mother in motherhood, real moms in the real world. you get it? Now, that's what the show is about. So every week, let's get together and we'll share these great stories with you guys. And I hope by the end of the show, you'll be saying, you know what, that is my life. Nina gets
3: it. And I can't hardly wait to see what she brings me next week.
2: Don't miss the next Living the Dream Mom. It's real moms in the real world. Thursday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Living the Dream Mom with Nina Fry. On toginet.com. Whether you're four and a half or 100, you can retrain your brain. Learning RX, the radio show, is on toginet.com. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central Time with Martin Kruger. Learning RX programs are quick, they're efficient, they're life changing, and they're permanent. Unlike tutoring, Cognitive skills training, or brain training, targets the root issue causing learning struggles. Time and money spent on chronic tutoring is a clear signal of cognitive skill deficiency. That's where Learning RX comes in. Call today, 903-617-6899. 903-617-6899. Then join us for the show here every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. And take advantage of the power it holds to improve your life. There are so many brain training issues that RX can help you with. It's not a product. It's an experience. So join us for RX, the radio show with Martin Kruger. Thursday mornings at 8 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Tokenet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Tokenet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here this morning with Evelyn Gray. Evelyn has finally made it into our studio to talk about productivity, peak performance, and managing ADD, ADHD in terms of productivity and being the best that you can be. Welcome, Evelyn. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you, Lisa. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's talk a little bit about how you got into the business of organizational skills and really coaching people to operate optimally.
4: Well, it all started when I was a teenager. And you know how the hormones always change and you're here, there, everywhere, and you disagree with everyone. So what I did is I just went around the house and I cleaned the house and that settled me down and got me to thinking. And I felt immediate gratification. So that's when I started. And then I started looking at the National Association of Professional Organizers, and then I joined them. And then later on, um, several years ago, I joined the Institute for Challenging Disorganization, where we focus on ADHD. Uh, people are chronically disorganized most of their life, and uh, recently I became a hoarding specialist. Wow and that that is a gift
1: to be able to work with people who have issues with hoarding because these people are living a very complex tangled lives with with what they're hoarding and what's behind it
4: that's right and and it's usually emotional everybody thinks they have a mental illness um the stats that i looked up are probably maybe 10% have alzheimers and dementia uh 30% is uh have add and the rest are all in between, the chronically disorganized. But it's usually an uh, emotional upheaval in their life that starts it.
1: Interesting. And when you say chronically disorganized, are these people that typically have executive functioning issues, that, uh, that daily life is a challenge because they're not able to sort of have their to-do list in order? What, what, what do you mean by that?
4: Well, um, chronic disorganization just means when all self-help methods have failed and now it's affecting the quality of your life and your relationships. I've seen people uh, not get married because the uh, clutter was such an issue. Uh, when clutter becomes a safety and health issue, then you have to stop and look at it. Is is the stuff more important than your relationships? And, um The ADHD is where you have the executive function. If you you put your hand up to your forehead, that's where the organization, you know, begins, right there, is in that part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex.
1: And that is where happiness also lives, coincidentally, or not so uh, coincidentally. Um,
4: Right. Well, with chronic disorganization, something traumatic usually happens in your life. And some of the examples are you lost a job. There might have been major surgery. There could have been a divorce. There could have been a combination of uh, households, you know, like remarried. There could have been a new baby. You were brought up with bad skills. There are none at all.
1: Hmm. I had a junior high school teacher, Mrs. Unger, when I was in seventh grade. And she taught me that, and these are her words, and they've stuck with me for decades, organization is half the battle of learning.
4: Uh, well, I think that's great, but how do you get organized if you don't know how to get organized? You have to have some kind of structure in your life, oh, and that's, it's, depends on the individual. Not everybody can be organized the same, and, and the Internet has has made us a little ADD-ish. If you can't um, get our attention within three to five seconds, we're off to the next one, and sometimes that can be bad because you have missed out on an opportunity or building a relationship.
1: Mm, indeed. Well, and the organizational tools are are key and one hopes that we learn good organizational skills in school, but that's not always the case because organization is not seen as a priority. Getting the result how by whatever means is is what is uh prized. So what I guess I'm asking you is in your work, you're teaching people to to get organized and and, and that there's a skill set there and how would you go about doing that?
4: Well, I don't just teach them to get organized because basically that's cleaning up. I teach them how to stay organized based on who they are and their natural style of where they will find things. And everybody's different. It's not a one-size-fit-all. But what I highly recommend, because of information overload being thrown at us 24-7, I think doing the color coding and labeling the files based on your emotional relationship you have with the action you have to take. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but I'll give you an example, and I know you'll understand. This gentleman has four file folders, one's for his alimony payments, one for his car payments, one's for his parking tickets, and I have no idea why he has so many, and one's for his CPA for his taxes for April 15th. Now, he puts all four file folders under a PendaFlex tab called Stay Out of Jail. <laughs> now, what does Stay Out of Jail remind you as a child? Oh, not getting my hand caught in the cookie jar, you know, Stay Out of Trouble. See, he used to love to play Monopoly because he get a card for Stay Out of Jail. Now, all these file folders won't mean that he'll go to jail, but it could mean he'll go to court. But if he labeled it stay out of trouble or go to court, that's not very exciting to him. But the word jail rings with him. And so, if he got a loan from you, for instance, a personal loan, he would put it under the pile, uh, under the Pendaflex folder called Stay Out of Jail. Because he'd end up going to court. Not necessarily to jail, but you could. He just likes the ring of it and he associates it with Monopoly. That's his emotional relationship to the action he has to take. So that folder means uh, he better keep a pretty close eye on it. I hear you. And you have what you call your system.
1: And let's talk a little bit.
4: Yeah, my system, um, it's called, system stands for Save Yourself, Space, Time, Energy, and Money. And what my system is consists of the CSI method. And you know what CSI reminds you of? The investigative TV program, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's an emotional relationship some people already have associated with. So they'll remember what CSI stands for. C stands for being consistent, C, and creating a system, S, I implemented. And after you implement it, you go back to the C, and you'll be consistent about using the same thing, like where you put your keys in your wallet at the end of the day, like maybe in a bowl right by the door you see what I mean? A lot of people create systems. They're so busy creating systems and never implement them. Let's talk a little bit
1: about these systems and how it relates to our military community. You graciously shared a statistic about women in the military and suicide rates uh, from 2007, and later went on to share during the break that you are about to embark on a telesummit this evening specifically for the military community. So let's talk about how we can help men and women who are returning from service uh, get organized because they actually come from a highly organized, rigid, systematic environment, when they are in the military, and then they come home, and then what?
4: Well, with anything traumatic like that, and I know a lot of people, you know, have depth in their life, and it generally takes them six months or a year to get back on track. And, of course, they need to go through therapy at that particular time. You're not going to see anything sooner. If you do, it would probably be a miracle. They just haven't adjusted. They've got their kids to attend to, then their husband, and they have to get back into a different routine. So it takes a while. So you have to listen, 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 and be patient and ask them what their challenges are and what they want to accomplish, and then you start from there. Unless you know what the core issue is, and, of course, when it started, you're only just putting a Band-Aid on it. You're not fixing it long term.
1: Mm. And and you make a good point about the the necessity of time to get back into a rhythm and to sort of heal and readjust to life. And it used to be, you know, in in wars past, decades ago that the men would come home on a boat, they'd come come home on you know an ocean liner that would take weeks to go from point A to point B, and in modern warfare, you can be in in half a day or a day on the other side of the world, going from the comfort of your home to to the theater, so that the, the the natural readjustment period is is is, is gone.
4: Yes. Yes, and that's why it takes so long because now they're bombarded with, you know, kids while they're at home and they just have a different schedule. Well, you can't just adapt to it overnight. It takes time. And so I think they need some alone time to think about, you know, what they did before they left. And it's hard for them to leave war back there and not bring it in at home. That's why I think therapy is so important. But you can start organizing them, but you've got to talk to them and listen to what they have to say. If you don't listen, I never go in with anybody and say, well, you need to do this, this, and this, even though I can see what needs to be done. I have to listen to the person that I'm helping before uh, we can move forward. And so they have some calm and serenity in their life.
1: Mm, And that is what what everybody needs, not just a returning military service person. We are going to be going to a break in a moment, and I wanted to give our listeners the contact information to reach you. You can find Evelyn at www.evelyngray.com, and on her website, she has vast amounts of information and knowledge that she is sharing with people who come. Come, come to her site on productivity, peak performance, and ADHD um, skills, uh, organizational skills. So please visit her there. And to connect with you on tonight's um, tele-seminar, is there any way our listeners could get involved if they wanted to, Evelyn?
4: Uh, sure. They can um, contact me at area code 626 576 2059 Six two six five seven six two zero five nine or email me at Evelyn at Evelyn Gray, G R A Y dot com. That's Evelyn at Evelyn Gray dot com. And I love to speak with people. Thank you for that information. For tonight's uh, teleseminar, what time is that and in what time zone and what is the name of it? It's um, my company is organizing for success. I'm in the Los Angeles area, so it's Pacific Standard Time. Okay, here come the tunes. We'll be right back.
0: Where is my heart? Where is my heart? Is my heart?
2: We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back heart? to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cyphers-Kamen on Toginet.com. Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Mallette, at 1110 Central on TuggyNet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I, invest in yourself. P, persist by taking small steps. And S, serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette. on toginet.com.
0: Part of the grateful good. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org.
2: Have a grateful day. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Tokenet. The show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Hence the name of the show. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Tokenet.com. And now, back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm here today with Evelyn Gray, who is a specialist in in customizing solutions for organizing our lives. She turns piles into smiles, so the only thing you have to lose is your clutter. And she also works with the ADHD community and individuals who have trouble focusing, have a lot of unfinished projects, always late for appointments, for example. Welcome back, Evelyn. Thank you very much, Lisa. Oh, my pleasure. Um, Before the break, we were talking about... um, organization after military service, and we, we, we started speaking about the need to be a good listener, that uh, when we have somebody that has been deployed, they come home, they're reintegrating back into civilian life, into a new normal, how um, being an active listener is really important, and that's important in general, not just for our, our military loved ones.
4: You're right. It is. Um- uh- People forget to listen nowadays because we're on information overload and they think we have to process every little bit that's put in front of us. And we don't.
1: No. And, 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 and really listening is an act of love. It, it, to be able to be quiet and hear
4: what another has to say is really a gift. Well, a lot of people weren't listened to when they were younger, and what I have found in some of my clients is that what they do is they end up being caretakers when they're older, and so they never get anything done because they're so busy trying to get the affirmations from everybody of what a great job they did because they weren't told that as a child.
1: Mm. You have written uh, that no mission is impossible, And, and I love that because you really talk about not giving up, and that ties so beautifully into harvesting happiness and harvesting happiness for heroes because a large part of what I do and how I coach is empowering people to Uh, set goals and attain them and to sort of walk through their their goals and their desires one step one day at a time and sometimes it's even one minute at a time
4: right and I agree with you wholeheartedly you can't bombard them with a whole bunch and expect them to handle it that's why they're coming to you
1: Mm, Indeed. Um, Let's talk a little bit about communication styles and learning styles. As many of us know, there are several kinds of learners and communicators, and I'm hoping that you can share with our audience how you work with the different types of learners and communicators out there.
4: Well, there are probably just four basic ones. Um, There's more, but I want to start with the basic ones. There is visual. That's the visual learner. They work well with written information, notes, diagrams, and pictures, and they uh, rely on their uh, keen sense of observation and they're able to use, like, imagery to learn complex subjects. In other words, put a picture in their mind. And visual learners make up about 65% of the population, where auditory is 30%, and then kinesthetic, tactile, 5%. Now, auditory learners like to hear the information to assist uh, with processing the concepts and thoughts and um, when I run into the auditory learners, most of them are what I call high-end ADHD. Um, it's, it's called attention deficit hyperactive disorder, but what I like, I like to refer to it is attention difference hyperactive distractibility factor because they're such a creative individual um, and they can't stop thinking. Um, There's not very many out there, but I usually ask somebody if they are, you know, visual or auditory, and when I do, uh, you don't want to give anybody who's auditory paper to read while you are talking to them because I feel they shut down. They hear you, but they don't listen and absorb the information that you're giving them. So, and then the next one is kinesthetic learners. Well, they prefer to learn by doing, and they use movement to assist with processing information, thoughts, and ideas. And if you see someone, you know, fiddling around or doodling or something like that, then you can consider them kinesthetic. And then the last one are tactile learners, where they use their sense of touch to process their information and material. They like, like, hands-on demonstration to work, much like, um, you know, probably a kindergartner, if you're teaching them how to mold something like that.
1: Mm. And what about if a hybrid? Do you ever run into people who are really a perfect blend of, you know, two styles
4: of, of learning? Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. I'm all for. Uh, sometimes I learn better auditorily, but mostly I'm kinesthetic, uh, tactile, and visual. Because I I need the auditory to reinforce learning, Uh, but I still like the show-and-tell type of uh, atmosphere. Because what happens is when I work with my clients, I work as a body double. That means you actually coach them and answer their questions and let them do the motions of putting things away. And I have learned that if someone's going to put something away in a new place or the same place, that they need to touch it and put it back because the signals are sent up to the brain. And so when I leave, they will remember where they put it because they've done it at least six times. I've tried five. It doesn't work.
1: <laughs> six is the magic number. To,
4: it to, to be six. You know, it could be a little more, but six usually is the number because they need to do a repetition like that over and over so they can connect it with their brain if If I did it and put it away six times, they wouldn't remember the minute I walked out the door. It makes sense to me, and especially because we're talking about these
1: skills coming from the same part of the brain where, you know, emotion, where happiness resides, where depression resides, that it is that retraining. It's a, the muscle training, if you will. If, you know, you want to become happier, if you want to become more organized, you practice these skills over and over and over again until it becomes second nature, until it becomes the um, behavior that replaces that which you want to get rid of.
4: That's right, and and because we're on information overload, that's why I suggested color coding is a strong thing. If we forget, we'll remember at least the category of the color so you if you have your colored folders with your colored Pendaflex files, the Pendaflex files have to have clear see through tabs. they cannot be color and the and the labels on the folders have to be all white, no color because too much color will cause stress, and then the disorganization will set in. But you would never put a red file into a yellow PendaFlex folder, would you? I, I wouldn't. No, and neither would anybody else. And if someone did, then they could easily retrieve it. We forget a lot of times, even when we create our own labels, um, file names for our folders, We forget what it is, but if we want to hone it down to not looking all over the place and looking for a color, we can spot that color 15, 20 feet away, right? We don't have to go up and read and say, there's the red folder, right, and everything else on your desk is, let's say, white paper. That's easy to spot, isn't it?
1: It is, but then there uh, is the reality of the situation i 'm going to use myself as the guinea okay. pig <laughs> <laughs> all right I love it yes the, the Lisa Cypress came in Dewey Decimal filing system of life, which uh-huh. uh, you know are the piles and piles of stuff, and because my my memory my My uh long-term memory is still really good. My short-term memory is shot. I can retrieve things from it from my house, from the spots where I've got things filed very, very quickly. But I know that you mention in your work if you can't find it in 30 seconds, it's in the wrong place, which completely right. blows my filing system. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can help you fix that. (laughs) (laughs) I can get there. I mean, you know, I made me three minutes, but not 30 seconds. So let's talk about sort of the rapidity with which your work can help people improve their lives.
4: Well, when I mentioned the 30 seconds, let's say you're sitting at your desk. All I want you to do is, if you have to, get up from your desk, go over the filing cabinet and pull the file. Not look for the piece of paper inside there, okay? You know where it's at. I was just talking with somebody yesterday, they had piles all over the place. But they didn't have it they didn't have a home. And so after she was reading my book that I'm putting out this month called Simple Organizing Strategy, she says, Now I get it, it's gotta have a home. In other words, put it back in the same place that you originally put it if that's where you feel comfortable with.
1: Okay, well, I'm feeling a little bit better because everything does have a home in its place. But you know, I'm I'm not part of the color coded brigade yet. But you know, there's there's hope for me. But let's talk a little bit about your book. I'm glad that you mentioned it. Um, Where can our listeners find your book? Will you be on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and places like that?
4: Uh, well, I'm hoping to get that all on. Uh, I have to go into print this month, and hopefully next month. I do have a version, but I've rewritten it. It's on my website at Evelyn Gray, G-R-A-Y. Uh, Most of the information is the same. I just tweak certain portions of it. Or they can wait until around September. Now, if they want to order the book, they can uh, contact me through email, and I will give them the information of um, they can send a check to P.O. Box 6235 in Alhambra, A-L-H-A-M-B-R-A, California, 91802. Or just go to my website and put on, uh, on the contact page, say um, SOS, a book, and that's Simple Organizing Strategies, and I'll get back to them.
1: Oh, wonderful. Evelyn, you've been an absolute delight, and I am just really thrilled to have you here. And what I like most is taking your skills that you're teaching people, these very real-life uh, organizational skills, and applying it to happiness, to, to applying it to decluttering one's life so there is the time and space to embrace and enjoy more joy, you know, more well-being, more quality of life. Uh, more flourishing, because that's what that's what we're after. That's what we're harvesting. That's what we all want to cultivate in our lives. Um, and I have a couple of closing thoughts that I would love to share with you as I do every week. And, Evelyn, you can be reached at www.evelyngray.com. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and you're listening to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. And here are a couple of thoughts before we part. Happiness is never a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice, to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words and the kindest of actions. And remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And here's another thought for today that I've been thinking about, and that is that someday is actually not a day on the calendar. It's not a day of the week. So go out and make today your best day ever. Do something nice for someone else. If you don't see a smile on the face of the person next to you, give them yours. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for tuning in to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio.
2: Thank you for being a part of Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Zyphus-Kamen. We'll do this again next Wednesday morning at 10, 11 Central here on Token